0: Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 172, in which I make progress on stuff. And I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 15, 2015. Um, I'm going to try to make this a fairly quick episode, because I'm actually supposed to be packing right now, but it's been so long since I've been able to post, and it'll be at least another week, probably, before I can post again. So I wanted to try to get something up there. So that y'all knew I was actually still, you know, my feet are on this earth and all of that kind of good stuff. Um, I have been ill. (laughs) If you're on Twitter, you know, because I've been doing a fair amount of uh, tweet whining. I don't know if there's a word for that. Twining? (laughs) Whining tweets? Um, Anyway, I started out a week ago Friday. Um, so 10, 11 days ago, I, we cleaned our basement, which I also tweeted about. Um, and during the cleaning of the basement, I started, you know, kind of getting a scratchy throat and a little bit congested, but I figured it was allergies because, you know, we're cleaning the basement. Um, Saturday morning, my throat was more so and I still felt congested. But again, I thought, well, you know, cleaned the basement by Sunday afternoon, I was clearly sick. I was really congested. My throat was just killing me, and I was really, really run down. That was most of what I knew. You know, allergies can sometimes wear me out, but not in the same way. This was just really, this was sick, and I felt like I might be running a little bit of a fever, you know, the whole nine yards. Now I knew, okay, this was not just allergies. Um, I kept working all week last week, even though I felt pretty cruddy, And my throat was sore all week, but in different ways. I was never worried about strep. I'm not really, I've never had strep. I'm not particularly inclined towards strep. I know there are some people get it all the time. Um, but mostly I knew why my throat was sore. I could tell what was going on and it was sore in different places at different times during the week. Um, it went from being a congestion related sore to being a swollen gland related sore. And so I actually by Thursday I'd kind of lost my voice. Um, I had conference calls all day Wednesday, barely made it through, mostly kept myself muted and <laughs> try not to talk. I mean it was just a pretty miserable week. I ended up um kind of ending early a little bit on Friday, uh just taking a couple hours in the afternoon um, so I kind of registered half a sick day on Friday, but I really kind of felt like, well, if I just lay low this weekend, cancel out of everything, you know, I should be okay. Cause I, even though I'd lost my voice, my congestion was a little bit less and everything. I felt okay. But then Sunday I had conjunctivitis or pink eye in one eye. And by Sunday night, I was back to feeling really congested again. So I ended up going to the doctor this past Monday and it was true. I had a sinus infection um, plus the conjunctivitis. And so she put me on antibiotics and she put me on an antibiotic eye drop. Um, by the time I got home from the doctor, the pink eye had actually moved into the other eye as well. So then I had double pink eye. And so I was using the eye drops in both eyes and actually the eye drops felt worse to start. They didn't really hurt to put in. Um, but within a couple of hours, it was like they were even more reactive. It was kind of weird. Uh, but anyway, um, I knew they were also kind of helping because it would, after an hour or so of putting them in, then it would kind of ease up and, okay, we'd move on. So I ended up having to take Monday and Tuesday as sick days because I couldn't see. (laughs) It had a lot less to do with the sinus infection, although I was still coughing a lot and very congested, but it was mostly because I could not really see. I was either blurry or um, really sensitive to light. I spent quite a bit of Tuesday. In bed in a darkened bedroom with a warm washcloth over my eyes, listening to an audiobook. <laughs> Which, once I finally realized, well, I know I can't sew, I can't read, I can't be on my computer, what in the world can I do? Um, I was like, oh, time to find a good audiobook. So I handled being on my iPad long enough <laughs> to download a good audiobook. Um, and actually, I did enjoy it. I'll have to look up, I haven't finished it yet. I'm only about part way through. It's a cozy mystery. And I'll have to look up the name of the book and the author, because I don't really remember. But I'll do that before the end of this episode. Uh, so anyway, by Wednesday, I was feeling well enough to go back to work, although I still had to kind of rest my eyes, because they were still kind of sensitive to light. Um, today, Thursday, I've been pretty much okay. i still kind of congested. Um, my eyes are still a little symptomatic, but definitely better. And that's all very good, because I'm getting on a plane tomorrow morning. <laughs> So that was my big push, and that was the main thing that got me to the doctor on Monday. I'm not big on going to the doctor when, I'm, when I've am when i got a cold or something that I'm pretty sure I'll just get over eventually, um, but I had to fly on Friday, and particularly the conjunctivitis was what concerned me, because I know it's highly allergic, or highly contagious, um, and in fact, as soon as I knew I had, you know, starting Sunday morning when I woke up and I was pretty darn sure that's what I was looking at in the mirror, um, I had my husband, he offered to go out and do the groceries for me. I was going to get groceries that day. He's like, let me go. I'm like, yeah, because I don't think I should be touching anything in public places right now. And I had him buy me some latex gloves. Um, And so he got me a box of those. And every time I was in the kitchen, anytime I was in the bathroom, anywhere I was in public, you know, in places that other members of my family would be touching things, I was either wearing the latex gloves or wiping up everything I touched with disinfectant wipes after I touched it. And then you know, like holding onto the doorknob with the wipe and throwing out the thing. It was just, I kind of felt like at one point I was quoting Thomas Covenant series, leper unclean. (laughs) It's like, you guys don't want to come near me and you don't want to touch anything I've touched. I am basically incumunicado in this house at the moment. Um, So I did quarantine myself in my sewing room for a while, but because of the vision problems, you know, sewing was problematic as well. I ended up spending so much time watching tv i went through the entire a and e um pride and prejudice miniseries the one with colin firth and jennifer ale um ale e h l e i can't remember how you pronounce her name um that is my all-time favorite movie slash tv show um definitely the best ever adaptation of any jane austen movie or any jane austen novel to the screen of any kind um and you can argue with me if you want, but I refuse. I also really liked Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow, but still the a and Pride and Prejudice tops, absolute tops. And in fact, um, that's sort of my, I refer to it as my comfort food TV because for a few years, um, well, there was a time many years ago when I was going through a very, very difficult, painful work situation in which I ended up having a few days where I was just kind of home because I needed to be out of that work situation, I marathoned Pride and Prejudice probably four times in a row um because it was a way for me to not be thinking about what I was going through and and so a couple of times since then, if I've just been really sick or just kind of stressed out, I've marathoned the the um show and this was I haven't actually seen it in several years now, which goes to show actually things have been pretty good. <laughs> the last few years, um, but that's what I felt like, okay, I can watch TV okay, because it's at a distance, and it's not as bright, you know, I had all the curtains closed in the family room, and I'm just kind of watching TV, I was like, I'm gonna marathon Pride and Prejudice, and I couldn't find my DVDs, I know I've got them on DVDs somewhere, couldn't find them, um, but I found it on, it was either Netflix or Hulu Plus, I can't remember which one I found it, but it has, no, it must have been Hulu, because I had commercials, which was bugging me, but at least they're short, um, so if you've never seen the Pride and Prejudice version, or the A&E version of Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth, you must. Um, anyway, so that was my week. Um, yesterday afternoon after work, actually, I took a stab at re-recording the second half of my Burma trip episode. Um And I ended up giving up again, and partly because I was still congested enough that talking was creating issues and I'd have to keep pausing and going and blowing my nose and stuff. That's even better tonight. I'm able to do it better. Um, But once again, I'm still I'm just kind of getting a little bit caught up in what I can actually say in anything that's going to be posted on the Internet. So you're going to have to just be patient. I'm still working on it. (laughs) it's it's getting shorter and shorter as we go because I keep cutting out more and more stuff feeling like, no, I really can't say that in any form that's going to be on the internet. So, and again, not my own personal safety, um, but potentially safety issues for people that I was with. So that's where the stopper has been, but I am still working on it. Never fear. Um, so I decided I might as well um, get an episode out about quilty stuff. So this one is um, going to be fun and all about quilting because I've been actually doing some stuff. Despite all this illness, I did get some things done over the first weekend um, when I was first coming down with this cold and I got some done over this past weekend and then last night I was able to see well enough again that I I got some more done. So here we go. I've got a couple of announcements um, and then I will be doing my um, Sandy update with the Quilty stuff. I'm not going to do any listener feedback on this episode, um, again, because I'm trying to keep it short so that I can go pack and actually get to bed at a decent hour. So the announcements are, first of all, do not forget about the 2015 Quilty Resolution Challenge I have going on. I have not checked the spreadsheet this week to see how many of you have entered, um, but make sure you do. It's in the blog, and I will post a link to that in the show notes to this episode to remind you where it is. Um, and again, you're going to get some fat quarters if you win the drawing. And I think I even said, if I recall, I'm going to have more than one winner. I'd have to go back and look, but I think I've got more than one winner. And who knows, in the clean out sort of mood I'm in, I might look at my stash and decide, oh, I'll choose more winners and just mail off some of my stash. So who's to say? But in any case, you got to enter in order to win. Um, so that's the 2015 Quilty Resolution Reminder. The second announcement is just a woohoo, hoo share, uh, yay moment. We are up to 18 members on the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, and that really excites me. I had not looked at um, the list. I've been on Kiva back and forth, you know, a lot, because I'm a lender and I keep recycling my loans, but um, I hadn't looked at the membership list in a little while, so it was really fun to see it up to 18 Um, And this was as last I checked, which was actually back in November. So there could be more now, but I would like to say um, thank you to Themo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Terry, Deborah, Tina, an anonymous member, Sarah, Susan, Barbara, Marilyn, Judy, Maureen, Holly, Barbara, Ann, Colleen, Francis, and Jennifer. And... I just want to say women working together can accomplish great things. If you've never heard of Kiva before, it's a microloan enterprise where you can loan small amounts of money to um, people in developing countries who are trying to um, build their own businesses to support themselves and families. You can search for loans based on a number of different criteria uh, so you could loan towards particular types of enterprises. You can loan in particular countries, et cetera. There is also a U.S.-based one. It's not its not on the Kiva site. It's a related Kiva something. You might find a, I don't remember, and I've got a loan through them, but it's a newer one, so I'm not as familiar with that. Um, the problem with the U.S.-based loans is the loan amounts are, you still loan only whatever you want to loan, Um but the the money required to start a business is a lot higher in the U.S. than it is in a lot of other countries. Um, so it takes people a lot longer to build up enough loans to be able to do their business. And then it also takes longer for them to pay back. So um, that's just the thing about the, the U.S.-based one. I can't speak for other developed countries, whether they also have their own versions of Kiva, but most countries have some form of microloan enterprises. So if that's something you're interested in doing, look it up. Otherwise, Kiva is K-I-V-A dot com. Um, If you're interested, you can look it up. So thank you to all of you who are members of the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. That's fantastic. So here's the Sandy update. Um, Let me talk about my past project that I'm still working on. Uh, I started back in November in a very um, impulsive moment, and I've mentioned this before. I started doing a Disappearing 4-patch uh, based on the Missouri Star Quilt Company tutorial, although there's a bunch of them out there. There's no secret to making the Disappearing 4-patch. Um, this is different from the Disappearing 9-patch. I've done those a f- couple of different times. I've done a lot of baby quilts and um, wheelchair quilts for donation using the Disappearing 9-patch. This time I wanted to try the Disappearing 4-patch. And I used a charm pack for it. You can use any size squares, but for me, I got charm packs. So it's easier to just pull one off the shelf and do it. And it's the same charm pack as I made, um, as I used for a friend that I made. Oh, I think hers was a disappearing nine patch. Um, A friend of mine who was going through cancer treatments, I made her a lap quilt And this I had ended, I bought two of the same charm pack. So I used one for that. And then I used this, the same for this disappearing four patch. Um, If I recall, I know it's a Moda charm pack. I think it's Good Morning is the name of the line. Um, It's an older line. I've had these charm packs for a couple years now, Um, but it's really bright and sunny and fun. And so I just picked it up. And like I said, it was a very impulse thing. It was like two weeks before I was supposed to be leaving um, for Myanmar, for Burma, I really didn't have time to be doing anything, but I was itching to sew something. And so rather than working on any of my projects I had going on at the moment, because they all required thought (laughs) and concentration, of which I had none, I decided, well, this would be a fast thing. Let me just get the blocks together. If I get nothing else done, I can probably get the blocks together. And I did. Um, And so when I got home from Myanmar, during my holiday break, Um, I just squared up the blocks and pieced them together into a center, and then I went out uh, with my friend BFFBQF Kate. I think I mentioned this in my last Quilty-related episode, uh, episode 171. I had gone on a little shop hop with her um, and found the border fabrics, and and the border fabrics are perfect. Um, It took me three or four bolts to find a combination that I really liked well, but I really like this one because I had decided what I'm going to do with this is um make it baby quilt size and you know I only used the one charm pack and that made enough squares or enough blocks for a baby quilt size. I think I might have had maybe two blocks left over. I don't remember now I'd have to look on my shelf um, but with I think my inner border is two and a half inches and then my outer border is four and a half. well that's unfinished so a two inch border and then a four inch border. Um, it comes out to you know, baby, it's not quite crib size, more baby size, playmat kind of size, um, just shy of crib size. Um, but I decided I'm going to put this away and have it on my shelf for whatever next baby is born or whatever fast gift I need. So I needed to keep it gender neutral. Um, and so it is as yet undesignated but um, I was able to keep it pretty gender neutral and actually that was a little bit tricky to do because there is a whole lot of pink in that charm pack but there is also enough purple and blue and there's some black and some yellow and some green so I in the borders I emphasized um yep I'm sorry I just had to lean over to look at my design wall I've got a yellow inner border and then a green print outer border so it's very gender neutral um so I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. It is a very, very fast quilt to make. Um, Let's see, I made myself some notes. The first pairs of squares, oh, (laughs) when when you're piecing your four patches, what I was doing is I was keeping the chain piecing string between each pair of squares so that I knew which sets were together, because I had laid them all out ahead of time so that I knew where all the fabrics were, because I didn't want to end up with one block that had like all the black um, charm squares in it. Um, but that meant I had to keep track of where everything was in the piecing. And the easiest way to do that was not to clip any of those strings. Um, what I would do is I would chain piece the squares, and then when I clipped strings, I would clip every other set of strings so that all my four patches were always together when I'd take them over to the ironing board. So they they it was like, you know, kindergartners holding onto a rope when they're walking somewhere so you don't lose them. I had my um, squares hanging onto these <laughs> the chain piecing threads between them so that they wouldn't get separated and that really sped things up and it made it so much easier for me to keep track of stuff and that was actually a trick I had picked up from Kimberly Einmo. I've always known you know I don't clip my chain piecing well I guess I did I usually used to clip all the uh, strings between when I was chain piecing I'd always clip the threads between the pieces Um 'Cause I don't like carrying the big string over to the ironing board all at once because it tends to get all tangled up and I'm fighting with it. I'd rather keep um carry separate pieces. But in this case where I'm trying to keep them together, I decided no, I'm gonna just keep I'm gonna clip only the pairs and keep those together. I don't know if I just explained that at all well. I hope I didn't just lose you. Um but that really helped me. Helped it go fast, helped it make sure I wasn't getting um squares mixed up with other squares. Uh, The center part is kind of busy because it's a charm pack, so there's a lot of prints, just a ton of prints, only a few that are more tone-on-tone. Well, not even, I don't even know if there's any tone-on-tones, but, you know, smaller prints or whatever to kind of give that place for your eye to rest. Um, So I made sure in the borders that I chose, the yellow is a tone-on-tone, the inner border, um, and then the green print on the outer border is a fairly low-key print I mean you can tell it's a print but it's not a jump out at you kind of print so I think that toned everything down and really worked together as a whole um, so I'm I'm really pleased with the way that's turned out it's been on my design wall ever since I put the borders on because I have not fully settled on a quilt pattern for it mostly because I've been taking all these free motion quilting classes from Craftsy and there's a lot of patterns I could use and would really like to use and it, so it's not a matter of not knowing what to do it's a matter almost of an embarrassment of riches and trying to choose which one I really want to do. So I'm still thinking about that. I'm hoping maybe next week I'll get to that. I'll see. So a small project I had to do, which actually took longer than I thought it did. Um, I think I might have mentioned this on the textile, the Burma textile episode. I bought some hand-woven shawl fabric or hand-woven fabric, I guess I should say, From a woman in one of the IDP camps, they were, um, they had big old looms. They were, um, traditional floor, standing floor looms, but, uh, uh, some NGO had funded these looms because they are not cheap, these big looms, um. But anyway, they were weaving fabric to help earn money for themselves and then shared some of it with the camp itself to help support the camp because they're not getting much funding from the NGO, but that's that other episodes that I haven't put out yet. Um so anyway, there's, you know, when we went in to visit this this weaving uh the the building where all the looms were and there were only like four four looms I think total in the this kind of building that we were in. And there was a woman working on one of the looms, and so we were watching what she was doing. And and um, through my friend, who was able to interpret, she said, "Well, she just um, she has some that she could sell you if you wanted." And my friend knows that I am big on textiles, and so I thought, you know, I had already bought a fair amount of longji, the the long um, textiles, and I wasn't really wanting to buy whole other textiles, but I did want to support her. So she pulled one right off the loom. So one of the sets that I have is, you know, her hands had just finished weaving this thing. And then she had another one in the back. And so and then um, one of my other friends had also bought one that she had in the back. So what we ended up doing, um, we bought, well, I guess we bought two pieces between us. We bought one that was black and one that was blue. No, we must have bought more than that because I'm looking at what I've got. Anyway, I ended up with one black piece and one blue piece and then I was able to cut both of those in half, so I now have four shawls and when i and I knew when I bought this that that's what I was gonna do, um I think it must have been one big piece that we cut in half to share between the two of us, and then I cut my half in half again to share into two. That's what happened um so I had been thinking that one edge one side of each scarf was going to be a finished edge, and so I'd only be somehow hemming the inside edge of each. And the other ends, the, the okay, long rectangle, the shorter ends of the rectangle, I thought were both fringed. And so the longer end of the rectangle, I thought one would be um, the outer edge of the woven piece where it's kind of finished just based on the way it's woven. And then the uh, the inner edge would be where it would be the cut edge that I would have to hem. So when I brought these home, I'm thinking, okay, I'll just have to do two hems once I cut these. Well, that's actually not the way it worked. Um, there was sort of a finished edge on the outside edge of each of these, or the outside edge of one of the black pieces. The blue, I must have gotten some sort of inner part, because neither long edge was a finished edge at all. And by finished, I don't mean looking nice hemmed. I mean done in such a way that it's not going to fray. So I ended up having to do both inside and outside long hems on all four pieces once I cut them. And then the two black shawls I have were not fringed on the edge. Um, they were just, or I guess one of them wasn't fringed. One of them had no fringe at all, so I had to finish those two ends on that one too. So and in any way, I ended up doing a whole lot of hemming on these shawls. And... I do have, I've said before, not a garment sewer, so hemming is not something I do all that often. I I know the basics, I've done it, I know how to do it, but I don't do it that often. So I had decided I'll just use my rolled hem foot on my sewing machine. I have a rolled hem foot, I've used it maybe twice, and I can't say I've ever used it completely successfully. (laughs) So I tried to use it on the first um, shawl that I was doing, And it was really a pill, not only because I didn't entirely know what I was doing, but because the cloth itself has a lot of loose threads from the weaving itself, the way the pattern is woven into it. There was just so much stuff getting stuck on that foot. I was fighting it the whole time. It was driving me crazy. And I've never really known what to do on the corners (laughs) when you've got rolled hems that are meeting up at a um, perpendicular intersection, how you do that. So it, it didn't work out well. I mean, it's done, but it's not beautiful. Um, then I put them away, because I only had time that day to do one, and it took me so much stinking longer than I thought it was going to. Um, when I finally, I guess it was this past weekend, I wasn't feeling well, but I thought, okay, well, I can handle hemming these, the rest of these shawls, because what I realized I could do is just fuse the darn things and then topstitch them. And I have um, Easy Steam 2 quarter-inch fusible. If you don't have this stuff, you got to get it. I actually use it for a fair amount of stuff um, and what you do is you fold over a part of your fabric, you put the fusible on one side of it, and then you fold it over again and fuse it so that you've you've got this nice folded hemmed edge and then, like I said, I top stitched it mostly for looks but also for a little bit of added security because I don't really know how people are going to be using these shells um, and these shells are not really machine washable anyway. They're going to have to be hand washed and probably even at that not all that frequently, (laughs) which I'm going to tell the folks who are getting these, I'm going to say, you know, by the way, you probably don't really want to get these very dirty because washing them will be a pill. On the other hand, these are made for people who are washing their clothes in rivers, quite literally washing them in a river and beating them on a rock. Um, So they could probably stand up to that, but they can't stand up to our modern washing. Machines. So I'll tell them if you ever need to wash this thing, go find your nearest river and beat it on a rock, because it'll do okay with that. So anyway, I got I did finally get all four um seamed, and I don't remember if I tweeted a picture of that or not. I will make sure eventually I'll get that picture on the blog. I know I keep promising you guys pictures on my blog, and I just haven't gotten to it. But like I said, I really couldn't even look at a computer for several days this week. (laughs) It was really a struggle. Um, So that was just one of those kind of annoying little jobs I'd had hanging over my head for a couple of weeks because I knew I had to get it done. It was nice to just get it done. And I had sort of a deadline on that. Two of the shawls are getting mailed um, to my colleagues that I work with down in the office. The other two I'm actually bringing with me this weekend, tomorrow, to give to the two women who are um, the adults on this team that I'm meeting with um, this weekend. So that was my deadline. I really needed to get them done in time to put them in my suitcase and bring them along. So that just felt good to be able to knock that task off my to-do list. Um, So then the other two projects I've been working on have been my two Craftsy class projects. The first is the Seuss Bargo applique. Uh, I'm sorry, the Seuss Bargo, it's really an embroidery class, um, but you have to put together an applique piece in order to embroider it. And I will say this applique background is taking me a stinking long time to put together. Um, because it's not, I mean, I could just slap something together and practice her applique stitches, but I really like, it, rare, I rarely do the class project for a class the way you're supposed to. I mean, I rarely do the quilts that the machine quilt, you know, the machine quilting class, if they have a quilt, I never do the quilt. Um, it's very rare that I actually do the craftsy class project the way it's laid out. But in this case, I liked it and I'm doing it in a very different color way. It's going to have a whole different effect. And, um, the way she does her project, you can follow her general parameters, but it ends up looking very unique anyway, because you're, you're just using your own creativity and how you put things together. So In that regard, I don't have much of a concern that I'm going to have a class project that looks, you know, as a cookie cutter to everybody else who's doing the same class. They're all going to look different and unique. Um, It's just taking me a long time to even get to the point of doing the stupid embroidery. Um, So what's kind of holding me up now is I've been appliquing wool felt butterflies onto a mostly wool felt background, although I've also got some fused batiks on the top of that wool felt background that's... I think I've tweeted pictures of it, but they probably haven't been the whole thing. Um, and I decided to use... She highly recommends an a uh, wool thread that's from an Italian company that starts with a G, and I don't have the name written down. And I have a couple of spools of Aurifil wool thread, but not in any of the colors that would be at all useful for this project. So I did go ahead and order some of her wool thread. She carries it in her store. It's not her wool thread, but it's the one she recommends and she carries it in her store. And so I think I bought four spools in colors that I need for this project. Um, And I I sat down, you know, earlier this week or over the weekend to start appliquing it with the wool thread. And she suggests using wool thread to applique these felted wool pieces because it just sort of disappears into the um, applique. Well, one, I'm not really finding that to be true. You can still see the thread, and part of that's because it's not an exact color match for the wool felt I'm using, or the felted wool, I should say, that I'm using for my butterflies. Um, But mostly, I'm having a heck of a time with the thread breaking. And it started out, I was using the wrong needle and I knew I was using the wrong needle, but I didn't have the needle she recommended. So I thought, well, this one's probably close. Well, it wasn't close enough. So then I switched to a needle with a larger eye um, and that one's still broken. So I changed to a third needle with an even larger eye and that one's going better. It's, um, I think I'm using now a Chenille, it's either 22 or 24, I don't remember. One is the one I'm using and one is the one she actually recommends. And I, I don't I'm thinking I'm using the twenty four and she's recommending the twenty two Am I right? Do needles go backwards in size? The smaller the number, the larger the I can't remember i'm just i'm you know just learning all this hand needle thing. I haven't done so much with hand needles in my entire time of quilting as I've been doing in this last couple of weeks between this and the other project. Um, anyway, I'm using a chenille number in the double digits. <laughs> of some sort and it is it's not breaking as much but it is still breaking and what's actually happening is the the wool thread is unplying itself it's somehow untwisting as i'm stitching with it and as soon as it untwists it loses its strength so it's not breaking where the needle is pulling it through it's breaking where it's coming through the layers of wool and i i can't figure out how to make it stop So if any of you have ever done applique on felted wool with wool thread and want to give me words of wisdom, I'd appreciate it because it's driving me crazy. Um, It took me over an hour to applique that very first butterfly down because that was the one where it was breaking all the time and I had to keep changing needles. Once I kind of landed on a much better needle for it working, I was able to get two done in probably about an hour and a half all in. I wasn't really timing myself, but I've got 15 of these stupid butterflies to applique down. This has got to start going faster. (laughs) So, and I've done felted wool before, so it's not an um, issue of the stitch. I know the stitch. I'm comfortable with the stitch. I'm comfortable with felted wool. It's just this thread because I've never worked with wool thread before. I would like to switch to my Aurifil because, as we know, I'm an Aurifil girl, but the Aurifil wool thread I had, like I said before, does not match. So, I either have to find a place where I can make it match or even if I'm not going to match, I'm going to make it look like a decorative choice, design choice, um, so just so I can use it or I'm going to have to pony up and buy a spool of Aurifil wool thread that does match just so I can test it and see is this just the brand of wool thread or is this wool thread in general. I don't tend to think it's the brand because Sue Spargo does a whole lot of wool embroidery and so I would think if she recommends a brand of thread it's probably going to be a very good brand of thread and it weren't cheap so i'm thinking it's again i'm probably gonna have to change needles again which means i think i'll have to go out and buy some more because i don't have the size that she recommended is the problem so that's where i'm at with the suspargo applique i am at some level enjoying it (laughs) I know once I can get into doing the actual embroidery, I'll enjoy it. And by then I will have hopefully made friends with, and you use all sorts of different threads and ribbons and also, I mean, you just go crazy with this stuff. So once I get into that, I'm going to be having more fun right now. It's just frustrating because I haven't even gotten to the part that the class is really about. I'm still trying to finish the background, which is just lesson one, (laughs) It's driving me nuts now, that being said, I'm really pleased with the way my background looks. If I can get it done, I will really like it. Um, the other project I'm working on, I'm in this very much right now a handwork moment. Um, and that is really, I've uh, for years I have said I really need to do more handwork. And that's why I've done felted wool well in the past. I just haven't done it consistently. Because most of the quilting I do is machine-based, which is great when I'm home. And it's great if nobody else is around and I've got a, you know, a couple hours to myself or when nobody else cares if I'm around and I can be in my sewing room. But there are an awful lot of times, especially now that it's just my husband and I in the house, he really doesn't like sitting down every night by himself (laughs) watching TV. There are a couple of uh, shows that he watches that he knows I refuse to watch. Walking Dead gives me nightmares. Um, So I won't be in the room when he watches that. And then there's a couple other shows he likes to watch. I just don't prefer um and so he's okay with, you know, then I can be off in my sewing room. That's a mutually agreeable thing. But the rest of the time he'd really kind of like the company. And you know, there's a sh- few shows I like to watch. So I would like to have something I can be doing while I'm watching TV. I'd also to a certain degree I'd like to have something when I can travel, but really rarely when I travel do I have a whole lot of time for handwork. Um this weekend I am going to bring some with me because the the nature of these meetings, I might well have some time um, back in the rooms at night when I can, you know, even if we're still hanging out and being sociable, I could be doing something on handwork. Usually when I'm traveling for work, I'm working one end of the day to the other and falling into bed at night. I don't have time to just be sitting around stitching. And I can't stitch during meetings because I'm taking notes for myself, if not for a group. Um, Or I'm leading the meeting. So in any case, my ability to do handwork when I travel is very limited, um, but I would like to have that option on occasion. So the other thing I'm doing right now by hand is I did decide to do the Ginny Buyer block of the month, which is Craftsy's 2015 free block of the month. If you haven't checked it out, um, I would set, suggest it. I wrote a blog post about why I'm doing it earlier this week. Um, and so it's got links to the class and all that kind of stuff. Um, she is a hand piecer. And so she does teach how to hand piece as part of the block of the month, you can do the block of the month by machine. And in fact, you can switch back and forth if you want. And that's what I'm planning on doing. I decided I would do the first block by hand just to see if I could mostly <laughs> to see if I could. And to see if this was something I thought I could do more blocks by hand, but I am not saying I'm necessarily going to absolutely do this whole block of the month every month by hand. Right now, I'm just doing the first block by hand. Um, The first block is just kind of a standard piecing. It's got a lot of half-square triangles to it, but there's really nothing all that tricky about it, and if I were doing it by machine, I'd have it knocked out in no time at all. And if I'd been rotary cutting it particularly, I would have had it knocked out in no time. But I also decided to go old school. She also shows how to use templates. And there are a couple of pieces you really do have to cut by a template because you're fussy cutting them. Um, You're using border fabrics to achieve certain effects. So you've got to have the template in order to fussy cut the border fabric in order to get the effect you need. And so I decided, well, just Use templates for everything because templates are also something I've been very good at avoiding ever having to use. I've used them for appliques certainly, um, but I've I don't know that I've ever used templates to do you know a standard block that you could rotary cut. Um, I learned how to quilt late enough that they already had rotary rotary cutters and people weren't really using templates anymore. <laughs> so, this is something I don't have a ton of experience doing, and I decided all right. The reason I'm doing this block of the month is not because I love the quilt. I actually don't really love the quilt. I like it. It's okay, but it's not something I looked at and said, oh, I've got to make this quilt. Um, It's more because I decided I could really learn something from Ginny Byer. And so I am doing it purely to fill in the gaps of all of those things that for the 15 years of my quilting career, I have been excellent at avoiding (laughs) and templates is one of them. So I did the whole nine yards. I made my templates. I printed off her template things, sized it. You have to size what you can't just print off the PDF as if, is. You have to actually make sure it's not scaling it to size in order to get it to measure right. Um, and I traced my templates and I cut them out of my template plastic and I cut my fabrics using my templates. And I think I did okay. I have not finished piecing the block yet to see how it all measures up (laughs) at the end, but everything was measuring as I went. So I think it went okay. I am not, there are some people, I have heard people say to me, templates are still more accurate than rotary cutters. And I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I don't think that's a widespread belief, but I think there are still some people who are old school enough to say templates are more accurate than rotary cutters. Let me tell you why I don't buy it. There are way too many places where things can go horribly awry. (laughs) You can print your template thing off at the wrong size, even if it's just a hair, and every printer is different. So even if it's just an eighth or a 32nd of an inch off, that adds up, as we know. So printing the thing that you're going to trace off first is a place where you can go wrong. Tracing it onto your template plastic you can go off, again, a 32nd of an inch if you trace it around the outside. If you have a slightly thicker pen or marker, whatever you're using, than a thinner one, it's going to be off. Then when you're cutting it, are you cutting on the inside of your trace line or the outside of your trace line? Are you being consistent? There, there are just so many places in that template process where you can get off. And again, you can be off in a way that you can't even see <laughs> that you are off. I am not at all convinced that my block is going to turn out perfectly the size it's supposed to. And in fact, if you look in the Craftsy Class discussion group, everybody's having problems. And there's a few people, well, no, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people are like, mine's not coming out that nine and a half inch size. It's not coming out that, you know, it's, it's this much or it's that much. And a lot of people it seems to be because of issues of when they print it off, they don't realize you have to scale the PDF to the page. Because when you, and maybe you don't know this, when you print a PDF, it automatically kind of builds a certain amount of margin into it. You have to go into the printing um, settings when you ask it to print and get it to turn off scaling so that it fills the whole page. And then it'll print off, um, generally speaking, at least close to the right size. And there's always a little ruler picture image on the print off so that you can measure that with your ruler to say okay if my if this says three inches and it says three inches on my ruler then i've printed this to the right size so make sure you're checking that first and i think that's why a lot of people's weren't the right size because they didn't know to do that they just printed it off and traced it Um, but i'll be interested to see when i'm done piecing this because even hand piecing this and i'm doing my best to follow right along that line i I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. And because I did mark, that's the other place where you then, once you cut out your pieces of fabric, you decide if you've done a lot of hand piecing, you can probably eyeball it better. I marked every one of those stitching lines on every single piece um, so that I had a line to follow for every single stitch because, you know, I haven't done this before. I can generally speaking eyeball a quarter inch pretty darn close, but I can't, you know, I wasn't positive I was going to be that accurate. So I did mark every piece I'm stitching along every one of those lines, but I don't know. And I won't know until the whole thing's done because here's the other thing about hand piecing is it's actually better if you don't press anything until the very end, because you don't, um, according to Ginny Byer and there's different ways to do hand piecing. I'm learning her method and her method makes sense to me. I can logically understand why she does it the way she does. So it's probably the method I would continue to use. Um, you don't sew over a seam like you do in machine stitching. You actually kind of come up between the seams and stitch. So right now I've got probably about half the block pieced right now and no seams have been pressed. So I'm, I can't tell at the moment. I cannot tell whether anything is the size it's supposed to be. I can look and see, did I stitch on my line? But do I have faith that those lines are exactly where they are? Go back to the template discussion. I don't. No, so that that's the piece that I'm I'm sort of like, okay, I could put a lot of time into this block and get it done, and I could be half an inch off when I finish. Um, it feels like it's going well. And I am kind of getting a, the hang of the flow of the hand piecing. It's still, you know, the hand placement is a little bit awkward. I'm trying to follow her, um, how she does it. I have had to adjust a little bit because I suspect the needle I'm using, even though, again, I tried to use the needle she recommended um, I didn't have the exact size. I think I have one that's just a hair longer, so it doesn't hit my thimble in the same place. So I finally ended up, after tweeting back and forth the other night with another hand piecer, I ended up ditching my thimble um, by the end of the night, and it was I was able to more comfortably hold my hands then, but then, of course, I had the problem of trying to push a needle through without a thimble. So I'm going to troubleshoot with that. I've got some of those sticky... Um, uh, I think of them as like a blister pack, and that's not what they're called. They're they're vinyl thimble, they're adhesive vinyl thimbles that you just put over your hand. And I, I know at one point I had a pack of those somewhere. I don't know if I still own it, and I'm not allergic to adhesive, but I'm going to try that and see if that goes better. Am I enjoying the zen of the hand piecing? Yeah, once I got through those first couple of pieces where everything just felt awkward and I felt like I was trying to sew with mittens on because my hands were never in the right place, (laughs) once I kind of started getting into more of a flow of it, I could see, yeah, I could see myself doing this. I don't see myself doing it for a whole queen size quilt because, you know, I'd be at it until I was 95, but I can see doing it a block at a time like I'm doing for this um, block of the month. I, uh, still, I'm not committing myself right now to doing every single block by hand. I might do some of them by machine. It depends on the block. It depends on how much time I have in any given month, what my mood is, what my other projects are, you know, all those kind of things. I'm just going to make that decision each month. But right now for this first piece, uh, this first block, I am, I think with some level of success, doing it all by hand. <laughs> and I'm enjoying the process of learning how to do that. It's a good experience to have. So that's what I've been working on. I've got um I've got some other projects in my brain. I need to do my journal quilt for January. Like I said, my 2015 quilty resolution is to do a journal quilt for each month. Um I found an article in a recent Art Quilts Art Quilt Studio or Art it's not quilting arts magazine. I think it's the Art Quilt Studio magazine that I bought at Joann's that's a technique. That's one that I've wanted to try for a while, and it lays out the technique very well. So that might be, I've got that sitting on my cutting table, that might be what I try to do for my journal quilt. Um, But I haven't decided exactly what my subject matter is going to be. You know, I just know the technique I want to kind of play with. Um, Unfortunately, I'm gone, like I said, this weekend, and then I'm also gone next weekend. It's my husband's birthday, and so we're going away for the weekend. Um, But if I recall, he's out of town He's not out of town this week, but I think he's out of town the weekend after his birthday, so I think I'll get some sewing time that week. Um, I tend to get a lot more sewing done <laughs> when he's not around, as tend to happen. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I'm at with projects. Um, I do have a couple of little projects I'm finding intriguing, and you're going to laugh because I know I, I've always said I don't like doing things with fiddly bits, But neither of these projects seems to have a lot of fiddly bits, so I think I'd be okay with them. One is the Missouri Star Quilt Company, one of their recent tutorials was a zipper pouch and a few of the uh, twilters have done them. And I watched her tutorial this morning over breakfast and it certainly looks like something I could handle. It's not all that fiddly. Um, And I have been hit or miss, it involves a zipper. I have done zippers successfully on some um, pouches I made years ago, some quilted pouches I made um oh what are those called I can't remember I'll have to look up the the name of the pattern they're the the kind of bag that sort of has a twist in it um they were really popular about 10 years ago and that's I made several that year and they had a zipper in them and the zipper went in fine I had no problems doing it the next project I did that involved a zipper a couple years later um I could not get that zipper to work and I finally gave up on the project and I think it was the instructions I don't think that was written well um but i didn't have enough commitment to the project to really deal with it so i just bagged it and moved on Um, but in the missouri star quilt company she really takes time showing the zipper process in this tutorial and so i have faith i could be successful at a zipper once again Um, and i could really use some zipper pouches for stuff when i travel i'm still trying to find the ideal way to cart all the electronic adapters and chargers and cords and all that nonsense that I always end up traveling with um, for a variety of equipment. So what I'm thinking I might do, I'll make one just to see how it works. And if it works well, then I might make three or four of different sizes and somehow color code them or whatever for all of my travel stuff. That would be very useful. Um, The other, I bought a pattern from Craftsy. Uh, It's called the Tooley Tool Holder Easel. Tooley, T-O-O-L-Y, Tool, T-O-O-L, Holder Easel easel and that pattern also looks pretty straightforward you know we'll see when I get into making it Um, no zippers or buttons on that one although it might have a velcro strip but I've done those before too and what this is is it's a um, tool holder a quilting tool holder with you know all sorts of pockets and stuff that folds closed and it's either like I said it's got a velcro or snapper button or something on it to hold it closed so you can travel but then when you get to wherever you're going to go, you open it up and flip the top around to the back, and then it holds itself up as an easel that's got a base that comes out. Um, and so that would be really helpful for going on retreat and that kind of thing. So I might take a shot at making that. Mostly I've got all these fat quarters and stash fabric and all this kind of stuff. i you know, I just got to use. And so at some level, I have to start finding small projects like that that won't drive me nuts to do. Um, so those are a couple of things I might, Take on in the next few weeks, you know, if I'm looking for a fast impulse project that's only going to take me a couple hours. Um, and so that's it for my quilty conversation. And like I said, I'm going to do listener feedback on the next quilty episode, um, which I'm hoping I'll get done next week, although I won't have much to talk about, I don't think. If not, you'll hear from me the week after, again, just because I'm gone two weekends in a row. So sometimes that makes the week in between a little bit crowded. Um, I think that's it. I will let you know how to get a hold of me if I can find my quick list here. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail dot com. You can follow the blog, you can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. I am also Sandy Quilts in Craftsy. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Facebook page, although I'm very inactive on Facebook these days. <laughs> Um, or you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, please do. I'm definitely checking out Flickr much more often than Facebook. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team as we addressed earlier in this episode. And you can find links for all of those things on my um, website, which is www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And look, I made it all the way through this episode without coughing or blowing my nose even once. I can't tell you what a big deal that is. (laughs) for me right now. (laughs) So I guess with that being said, until next time, go get your quilting on. Quilting for the rest of us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.